Hello everybody, welcome back inside the Shark Tank. It was a bit nervy, it certainly wasn't a classic, but Sale triumph for the sixth time in seven outings so far this season, winning a top of the table clash, 11 points to nine over Bath. Joining me to discuss that game, I'm Lewis of course, and I'm with me are my co-hosts Alex and James. Alex, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thanks, mate. Spent Friday night in the South Stand with the South Stand Massive, so uh, enjoyed the fact that it was a win. Um, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a great game. There's plenty to improve on, but it was a win. So I'm I'm of the mind at the moment that you can't really ask for more than that in a top of the table clash. And it's a bit of a shame that it wasn't, you know, free flowing rugby. But I think if it had been then uh, Finn Russell probably would have had more of an impact on the game. So, yeah, take take the four points, get out of there and, and hope that the the improvement in performances comes when it needs to. Uh, how are you? I'm feeling pretty pretty pleased. It's a big test. You know, we've, we've Bath have gone very well so far this year. There's a reason that the second in the table and you're not going to win every game by, by 20 points and you are going to get games like this where you have that sort of pseudo pseudo sort of test feel where it's teams feeling each other out and lots of kicking and you know lots of very static play I think we can talk about whether or not Bath came with the right intentions and if their rugby was a little bit negative but ultimately Sale won and that's the that's the main thing we can win ugly we can win playing really attractive rugby we can win scoring 11 points we can win scoring 40 points like it's uh I think it's a really good uh, marker of where this team is at, and it's a it's a sort of early to mid season test that we've passed with with relatively flying colours. Um, James, how sunny is your disposition? <laughs> yeah, no, oh, it was very good. I mean, we're top of the league, um, which you can't argue with. We, we were on a good run of home games and teams sending slightly weaker sides to come and play us, which I think we have to be open eyed about. I'm sure the coaching staff will be. Um, and it's the second week in a row I felt where we, we didn't play our best, honestly. Um, well, a long, a long way from our best. I think a, a long way from our best and picking up two wins is excellent. Um, on the flip side, I thought Bath will be absolutely delighted to come away with the losing bonus point. I think they'll be disappointed not to win the game. I think the game was there for them to win. Um, but they, they'll look back and see this as with a, you know, A-plus team. You know, maybe even A stroke B team to come away with a losing bonus point on a Friday night away from home in Salford. I think that's pretty pretty good going from their perspective. And from ours, well, we just keep winning. And winning can be habits. And we know that, you know, that next sort of big game that we, we get to play, you know, the opportunity is there for us to improve. So I still think there'll be a lot of confidence building in the camp here that we're beating teams and not playing well. Yeah, I mean, where do we where do we want to take this? Because there's a grand total of twenty points. There's a single try which came from not even a not even a good rolling ball. It was just a, a, a very disjointed one, and Johnny Hill just sort of falls over the line. Um, I guess Alex, you you were there, and uh, aside from that pasting that we got away at Exeter, this is the closest the team has obviously ran on so far this year. What what stood out for for you from this game? Was it a case of you know, Bath managing it very well. Were we not firing? What was the what was the view from the South Stand like? Well, it felt like we just didn't fire. I don't think Bath sort of, you know, they coped and, and managed to turn over us a few times and, and clear the lines when they had to. But it felt like, especially in that second half, we just kept coming at them and kept dropping the ball in crucial positions. And, you know, we got into the 22 and didn't, didn't make the most of it. I was looking at the um, stats before and, we had 65% territory. It just felt like, well, all the first half was up in the other end in the north stand, so I couldn't see much of that, so I can't advise you on that. But, um, yeah, it it was just so frustrating because it was, you know, good play nearly round the corner, you know, one or two passes away from probably breaking them open and scoring. And then, you know, it, the ball would go to the floor or forward pass or turned over at the rook. Um, I think there was a few times when didn't quite get the support there quick enough. Um, so, yeah, it felt like we... And we just constantly did that all game. We just constantly were playing well, looking to play expansive rugby, you know, not 
I don't think we were sort of trying to kick it away when we didn't have to. I think we played the style we've seen us play, which is if we're in our own half, yeah, we'll kick. And if there's an opportunity to kick well, then we will. But otherwise, we'll we'll try and play rugby and try and use the pace in, in the backs that we've got. So we were doing that, but it just really wasn't coming off. And I think that's probably partly, obviously, we had the performance against Falcons the week before, which was good in patches, but a bit disjointed. We've got Ford coming back in, you know, changing the team around a bit, but also just once it happens once, it felt like it became a um, became a habit and, and sort of spread through the team. So it, it's one of those games where you look at that and you think if five more passes go to hand, we probably score five more tries, um, as silly as that sounds. You know, if, if we just had a bit more accuracy in our execution, I think we weren't that far off. So it created this weird atmosphere where you were never that worried because you always thought, well, we're massively on top of them here. They're just clinging on by the skin of their teeth. And at some point we are going to get ahead and then we're probably going to stay ahead because they just didn't look threatening. Um, so, you know, that obviously in the moment, it was there was a few, a couple of moments where you're thinking, oh, this is a bit tense. But actually, I think it just felt as comfortable as a two-point victory can ever feel because it was just... It, almost inevitability, and I think that's good. But as James says, this is a not a first-string back team, and and this is at home on a Friday night. So if we're going to go and play better teams away from home, we can't afford those mistakes. So I'm glad they happened at home, and we still managed to win the game. But it's still probably two weeks in a row where the execution and the accuracy hasn't quite been right for me. So I think that's the big issue. Don't know if there's anything else you guys saw from. Um, better camera angles. I mean, eight eight entries into the twenty-two for sale versus four from Bath, so it kind of speaks to you know creating and creating a few more opportunities. But obviously, only only five points from the twenty-two for sale versus nine from uh, from Bath. So you know, when you're looking at what what do they call it, red zone efficiency? Yeah, it's certainly not our most clinical game. And like you said, to to our fifty-five percent possession and sixty-five percent territory, you would have. You would expect us to do more, more with it, um, and I guess James is, you know, is is this a case of we, we've got away with one here? Given that this is, like you said, a Bath team that was a bit under strength, we were wasting our opportunities. Bath were playing smart footy for a for a Friday night away at Sale. You know, it, should should this have been actually even closer, and should this have been a Bath win in your opinion? Uh, I don't think it should have been. I, I, I think we, we kind of did... Um, our kicking game was excellent at our hand. Um, and, um, you know, Gus Wall's been under criticism in the last few weeks from a few of the few, few of the fans who were kind of there at the beginning of last season before he we went on a great run of games, kind of come out of the woodwork to suggest he's the problem for everything and we overkick. I think it was actually a really good um, example of where a good kicking game you know, against a uh, less resilient team would have broken them down. Um, and we, we just actually just struggled to break the, the team down. And, you know, there was a couple of opportunities, like Sam, uh, Simon McIntyre knocked on over the line, didn't he? Um, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So we were, there, there was um, times where previously in the season we have executed great um, uh, efficiency in the opposition's 2022. And we just didn't do it this time. So... I don't know why that is. Maybe we just let them off the the key moments. Certainly, the bath defence was excellent. Again, just reflecting, putting yourself in a bath shoes. I think they're going to be very, very excited. If you're Finn Russell, you're starting to get really excited now because you, you've had bath basically for two of the last three seasons have been absolutely well. Two and a half of the last few, uh, three seasons they've been rock bottom. Second half of last season they went on an amazing run, amazing run, and lifted themselves up the table a little bit. And, you know, we identified them as a team on the up. They've recruited really, really strongly, especially from Worcester. Um, but, you know, just across the board. And they've got a really good coaching unit in there now. And they're basing their team basically on, OK, we're going to be pretty good in the set piece. And we're going to be pretty good in defence. And then we're just going to have a load of, we're going to have a generational talent in Finn Russell. And there's some genuine real excitement outside. And obviously, no Ollie Lawrence in this game. Uh, but your likes of Redpath, Lawrence, Jomo in the centre, you know, but obviously played. There's another young um, 12, quite a big lad. So, 
you know, I, I think that they're going to rely on that magic to score them points, tries. And I think, you know, come end of March, April season running, if they are in the mix, they, 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 they could really cause some problems because they're core part of their... They're a bit like us, you know, we really focused on getting that defence and their set, our set-piece sorted. Our scrum hasn't gone brilliantly, to be honest, though it went OK in this match, for sure. But I don't think our scrum has been brilliant. I think we're towards the bottom in terms of our scrum completion rates um, on the stats. One of you two will probably know, know that more than me. But um, it's been an area of weakness for us this year. As our line-out's gone really well, the, the try that we scored, I thought was quite indicative of our rolling mould this year. We haven't been completely dominant, but we have been able to actually um, be just a little bit awkward. Uh, and Johnny Hill's been right at the forefront of that. You know, Both him and Visa and Dan Dupria have been sort of playing the ball almost over the top, which is a high-risk strategy. Because you only need one arm to move them away and the ball's on the ground and you're missing a missing a great opportunity. But what we're doing is we're able to get the ball into the nine's hands and out to ten. Um and, and you know, when the defensive line is 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 wondering what's what to do. And I think that's worked really well. And that's not the first time that Johnny Hill's almost been able to sort of slither his way through from a was... from either a a line out sort of come rolling off the back. Or actually through the driving mall. So uh, I, I don't know if we've been practicing it, but it is showing, I think, a lot of composure from our players to kind of, you know, when, when things don't quite go right and you've not got your two dropping over the line, that we've got something a bit more. I was wondering what verb you were going to use to describe what Johnny Hill did. Because it's it was so. I mean, it looked like a try scored by a six foot seven, six foot eight lot, didn't it? Just sort of literally sort of falling over the line. Also over to um I think I'm just on that scrum point. Six six scrums uh, sorry, seven scrums of the game for sale, six one, one, one lost. Uh, obviously Baffin four for four. Um it is a really good point, and I suppose it speaks to where we've again a, a, an issue we've identified earlier on in the year in terms of our player personnel. Um, you know, and obviously the fact that you know we're we're rolling out Asher for uh, you know a pretty important game at home last week. You know, for his premiership debut at 18, 19, 20. Um, but one person did want to shout out, because there really isn't much to talk about from this game, is there? Um, James Harper um, winning a, a, a really important, in, in the context of the game, scrum penalty on the, the 70, 72nd, 73rd minute, where he obviously forces the loose head to, um, to, to not drive straight. Um, absolutely massive to see an impact from, from a player like that um, at such a crucial junction of the game. Uh, and obviously, in a game as narrow and as tight as this one, uh, it made a massive difference. So shout out shout out to James Harper. Um, who else caught the eye from your side, Alex? I I thought Gus Moore and George Ford were good, as you said, uh, in terms of the kicking game. I think James is right. I think there's there's a lot of grief given to anyone in our team who kicks. We kind of touched on it last week. I don't propose to go over it again. Other than that, it's a real struggle in this game, isn't it? You know, it was. I, I thought Rob Dupree didn't have one of his best games, um, and I think we probably should have brought Sam James on a bit earlier. Thought Joe Carpenter looks pretty solid, um, but again, it's still in that kind of phase of last week where he was trying things, and again, just the same as the rest of the team, not really coming off. I guess in the forwards, I genuinely, I know it's really obvious to pick a try scorer, but I thought Johnny Hill had a good game. I thought he, in a game like this, where you just need a bit of go forward and a bit of grunt, him and Cabe Spicer as well, both you know, gave that kind of proper, just hard work. And it was a hard working game where you need to just put your head down and, and go for it. And I thought Luke Cowan Dickey was really, really good, actually. Um, I think the threat over the ball him and Ben Curry give is really important and obviously won the penalty that I think took us to 11-9 so but also was just a threat all game over the ball like that and that's really important for us because you know we've lost some import we've lost obviously Tom Curry from the season but also losing someone like Acker you know when we can roll out Bevan Rod, Luke Cowan, Dickie and Ben Curry on one team, we have a massive threat over the ball. But when we don't roll out those people, we look a bit blunt without. 
So, yeah, I think that was, and, and obviously I agree with you on James Harper, but it wasn't really a game for standout players. And it was probably a game for standout forwards, and I'm never very good at those. But, yeah, it's it felt like, I, I don't know, no one stood out, did they? That's almost my conclusion that I'm getting to, that some people did some good things, like I say, Luke Kandicki, that turnover, for example, but no one ran the game, no one bossed it, no one had a really good performance. It was, we were probably 6 out of 10 across the board, but luckily we were a very good side. So when we're 6 out of 10 at the moment, we are good enough to win games. And and that's probably the conclusion. And George Ford is just absolute quality. So, you know, for example, the kick he put up that about 15, I think it was, dropped, that led to a scrum and put all the pressure back on them there's, there's really important moments that you get from players like that um so it's probably worth highlighting those as well so yeah i'll go i'll go george ford as as a standout and johnny hill in the second row but as you can tell from that that round the houses ramble it's been a bit of a struggle have you two got anyone uh anyone better that i might have missed no, honestly, not 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 really. Obviously, I thought George Ford, you know, I thought his kicking out of hand was pretty good, and he, he nailed the kick at the end. I mean, you, can, <laughs> you can't really ask much more from your from your fly off in that regard. I do think that Rob Dupree struggles when he's moved around game to game. You know, which I think anybody would ten to thirteen. I think is a very difficult transition to make, and I think last year he proved that he can play both positions well. I think he's a better ten. But I think he played 13 very, very well last season. What I think we're struggling with now is that over the last two, last season and so far this year, Sam James, Sam James's form both at 13 and 15 has been exceptional. Um, he's just he's truly, genuinely back to his best. And you know, I think you know if they're picking Rob Dupree at 13, it really is probably from a leadership perspective, or maybe it is because Sam James is is is, is maybe leaving at the end of the year. You know, so there's some. Um, uh, sort of conversations alluded to in the press conference by Alex Anderson saying that, you know, Sam's sort of looking at his, you know, maybe looking at his future and, you know, whether he wants to maybe be in sunnier climbs, uh, which, you know, we won't begrudge him. He's been an enormous, um, uh, you know, advocate and, you know, player for the club. But I think when he's playing on this form, I'll be trying to nail him down um, for, for, for the rest of his career, honestly, and telling him he'll be a, an all-time great and, and nailing him down, and because I I, th- I agree with you, and there was a couple of occasions last year they just stuck with the Rob experiment, and it came good in the end, but it cl- sends a clear message to Sam James that he's whatever he does in terms of form, he isn't going to be first choice. For, I think it's ridiculous, and I you know, and I think that he should be playing at thirteen in the moment, um, and Rob should be still training in the thirteen channel, and we should be having Tom Curtis training in the ten channel. I think that that's where we're kind of getting to now. I love Rob at ten. Don't get me wrong, it made sense during the World Cup because you could get a run of games at 10 and then make the transition at 13 for the rest of the season. But I think that moving him to 10 for one week last week um, and, and then back to 13 this week, that's really that's that's rough on him, to be honest. Um, so that's the only thing I'd, I'd mention on that regard. I thought George was, 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 was pretty solid. Um, and I, yeah, I, I didn't think there was any sort of outstanding poor performances. I did think Johnny Hills continued his... Is good run for the season, um, but otherwise, I think it's very much uh, okay. Look, we got the four points, lads. Can't ask for anything more of that. Thank you, George, for kicking over that point. You know, let's move on to next week. I'm glad. I'm glad George Ford's kicking has naturally come up because that was the one thing I do have on my my list to chat about. Which is, it's, it's take, took me a while, but I finally found it. So thank you to rugby.statbunker.com. Um, it's really good that George Ford is having such an impact. With the ball in play, because his his strike rate this year, thirty six percent off the tee, which is just for a player who has has struck it so well for so long, uh, is is crazy. Uh, he is uh, uh, four out of eleven so far this year, according to according to the numbers I've got here. Um, but even you know, even if they're slightly out of date or, or whatever the case is, he's only kicking around sort of fifty you know, 50% at best at the moment. And I guess that's one thing I did want to ask, which is obviously on, on the day he misses the, I mean, he misses a pretty tough, um, uh, what do you call it? He misses a pretty tough um, conversion attempt. Um, but at the end of the day, like, is it is it a, you know, a concern from, from our side that 
um, George is having such a struggle from the tee to start the season. And is that is that a reason to keep Rob Dupree in? And, and does this create a bit of a a bit of a problem, you know, for for selling that they're backing themselves into a corner a little bit by having to have a secondary kicker in the team just in case. It's not cost us yet, but is it going to? Uh, I, I think the answer to the question is no. Um, <clears throat> and, and Rob Rob missed a load last week um, as well. Um, so I think partly it's because of the way we're playing. Right, our, our tries are being scored either through a rolling ball in the corner or because we're passing it to our wingers and they're scoring in a corner. So I think uh I think we, we you know the way we're playing we're making not, not making it easy for our goal kickers. Um Owen Farrell missed the load for Saracens at the weekend. He's done that before and he'll come back again. Like I'm not worried. You know, I, I think if this was a young kicker like Kieran Wilkerson, who, you know, is just not showing enough talent in front of goal, that's a different matter. But I think, you know, Rob Dupree is a kind of seventy percent goal kicker generally in his career. Um you know he's he's good enough, uh, and when he's on it, he kicks everything. And when he's less on it, he doesn't kick anything. George Ford does tend to be more consistent, not in the figures you give him, but generally, but you know he could be pushing ninety percent George Ford goal kicking. So I I I think we're going to be okay. I don't think we're carrying Rob for a second goal kicking option. I think we are carrying him or Sam James and Sam Bedlow as well as people who give us lots of kicking options. Across the backfield, um, you know, I think Aaron Reed's not really known for his kicking out of hand, but he's starting to use his left peg a little bit more. Um, Joe Carpenter and Tom Roper both need work on their kicking out of hand. You know, it's the area that's going to hold them back from higher honours. Um, certainly with Joe Carpenter playing 15, because international defences are so good, you, you just can't run it back as often as he does. So you have to win territorial battles out of hand. Um, as well, you have to have that in your locker, and Freddie Stewart obviously kicks it a bloody long way. Um, as well, his it is kicking out of hand isn't great, but he kicks it a long way. So I think you know overall, I think our, our kicking out of hand is pretty good as a team. Generally, I'd say um, last week was a terrible example of it. This week was better, and obviously you know sort of the spiral kick. George Ford is kind of bringing that back, whether it's through spiral sort of. 5022s or um, spiral bombs. I'm glad you mentioned about Freddie Stewart needing to improve his kicking because you're right, he can kick it a mile, but it's still definitely one part of his game that needs a little bit of improvement. And you are seeing you know, that there is that, that tactical element. And it's a great point about, about Joe Carpenter. Um, but there is that tactical element of kind of kicking and positional play at test level, which means you can be as you know as as good a, good under the high ball as Freddie Stewart is. But there is always going to be that that next thing that you need to take to the next, to, you know, to be a truly sort of elite test player. And I think it's a really good example for Joe Carpenter, which is yeah, you're hoping he's taking, <clears throat> well, maybe not place kicking tips at the moment, but at least you know uh, kicking out of hand tips from uh, from from George Ford. Um, and just, just to clarify, um, I think um, those numbers I quoted a moment ago um, are slightly out of date because it doesn't have George Ford as having kicked any penalties so far this year, where obviously he kicked a couple uh, on Friday night. But even so, we are still probably talking around the 50, 55-ish percent mark. Um, Alex, anything else from, from Friday night you want to you wanna dig into? You know, we've kind of we've touched upon the fact it wasn't a vintage performance from Sale, but, uh, you know, it was enough to get the job done. And, you know, we're still in a good place in the league. You can't go any better than top. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing you have to keep remembering, isn't it? Like, when you're on a run like this, and, and I say a run like this is sort of one that is, we're playing not very well, so we can go and find fault sometimes in the in the performances and but even with that said we're winning and I know we, we're caveating it with we're winning against weaker sides and I mean that in terms of their selection strength we're winning at home winning on Friday nights but we are winning these games and, and I think that's the the key thing we've just got to keep doing this season is is just keep that winning habit going because if we don't do that then we are going to find ourselves falling down. It's so competitive this year and it's so close. You know, we're going to find ourselves falling down the league pretty quickly. We've only lost one game all season and yet we're only three points clear. So 
it's not like last season where it was pretty much just us and Saris. It's going to be a bit more of a fight, I think. And obviously, you'd, you'd think that a start like this, if you can build on it, then yeah, top four is you know looking good at the moment. I don't think it's uh, rash to say that given the top of the table, but also could quickly become undone. And then also, we are really, really desperate for a home semi-final, I think. And we know how important that crowd can be. I think you saw it in the Leicester home semi last year, that if we can get people up to Salford, they really struggle and, and we can beat anyone there. Do you know, on, on the point about crowd, do you know what our crowd was on Friday? Yeah, it was announced and I was talking to someone while we did it. So I think it was 7477, 7,500, which is, is okay. Um, I need to check what we were against Bath last year, actually. But yeah, I, the crowd figures from the Newcastle and um, Bath games haven't gone up yet on the Wikipedia page that I use that is incredibly reliable. Uh, so I'll have a look at those, but... Yeah, it was it was definitely better. It felt like more. We obviously sold ninety percent of seats, I think we'd said in the week, and it did look really fun in the seats. North Stand were a little bit sparse, but no more than usual. South Stand felt pretty full. Albeit not not as full as I was expecting given the kind of um not in a bad way, it was full everywhere. I just had loads of space and I was expecting to be penned in for eighty minutes. So yeah, it was a decent crowd. I think it was a good atmosphere. I, that's the one thing that I said as we came away, that it's a bit of a shame that with a big crowd like that, we haven't been able to put on a bit more performance, but we got a win. So I, I don't know. You hope people are going to be entertained. They probably weren't because, you know, if you, it was a bit of a one for the purists, but I think it still had the intensity and the excitement. It was just, there wasn't quite the, you know, couple of amazing tries and wingers running in that that would have made it an even better experience for I guess a few people who've been there for the first time but we're definitely on the right track with crowd I think um, a bit of a shame that the fan zone wasn't able to be open for health and safety reasons but you know it's we're, we're definitely getting there and the more we can kind of get those crowds in and the more normal it becomes and and then we'll have the fan zone and, and things like that so yeah it felt Felt positive. I just wish we'd entertain them a bit more, but you can't ask, you can't have everything, can you? Uh, no, you certainly can't. Um, <clears throat> and speaking of, speaking of that, it's been a real sprint so far this year. I think we're we're now seventh or eighth consecutive game week in the Premiership, and it's not gonna it's not gonna finish anytime soon. Uh, a sale go down to to Harlequins for another Friday night fixture. I think it's our fourth in a row um, under under the the, uh, the floodlights. Um, James, what can we what can we expect from Quinns uh, on uh, on Friday night down at the Stoop? Um, how, how have they gone so far this year in in what is to your point, Alex? Sorry, just super quickly. Six points between Sale uh, at the top of the table and Northampton in sixth. Yeah. So to illustrate that point, just uh, just how close it's been this year. What can we expect from from Harlequins, uh, James? I mean, I, th- I, th- I think they've they've had an okay start to the season. You know, I think that that their, their Don Brand Care Smith axis is so dominant in the way that they play. You know, with Care and Smith being away at the World Cup, I think that has affected them. I think they've seen a bit of the future with Will Porter at nine. So I think that they can see their way through. They might be in a bit of a transition phase. I mean, they've got a lot of young backs. You know, in the centres, it's nearly all. You know, Estes on the side now he's back. They're picking a lot of young English academy talent across the back line. And they're exciting to watch. I mean, I've got no real love for Harlequins, the club, but it's a great place to go down and watch rugby and and have a couple of real ales. Um, And, you know, it was a neutral, you know, they're always going to have an open enough game. And you look at that game on Friday night um, against Saints and and Quinns, and a lot of people would say that's kind of the template that, that, that rugby needs to follow moving forwards. I'm not sure about that. I think there's a lot to say for the set piece and for the defence. But what you can say is that Quinns have a, a way of unlocking a defence even when they're good. And so teams have to score tries against Quinns to win the game. And especially at the stoop. Yeah, I think it's, it's such a hard track, even in the middle of winter, that you've got to be able to match them in terms of the pace of the game. And you've got to bring a high level of pace in the way you play and intensity, even if you're bringing your physicality to bear on them. And I think that that's what we'll be looking for. 
when you have a look at their signings, um, you know, over the course of last season, they're another club, a bit like Bath, really, who have, have recruited quite heavily from the, the three clubs that have um, sadly left the division. So you've got Launchbury and Porter who have kind of come from Wasps via Toyota Verblitz and Bristol. And then you've got your Lovejoy Chabatama, the tighthead um, prop. You've got the Chandler Cunningham South, who's very highly thought of. Seems to be coming on, doing a bit of second row as well as back row, but very much kind of number eight in the making there. And Will Joseph, who started at the weekend, also from London Irish. Um, so, you know, three people from London Irish, two from kind of Wasps there. And then obviously the um, the Adam Jones connection continues to still bear fruit. Um so you've got two Welshies that have uh, made the made the journey with Jared Evans, who deputised excellently for for Marcus Smith, and has allowed Marcus Smith to actually do some game time at fifteen, even for Harlequins, which for England fans is a really interesting development. Um, and then Dylan Lewis, who um, really is is trying to fill the boots really of Wilco Lowe there. Will Will, Will Collie has had a couple of knocks. He's, he's sort of absolutely first choice. But Dylan Lewis getting a lot of game time at tight head. So, you know, there has been some good players have gone. Tomaso Allen's gone, but Jared Evans is a really good replacement in the way he plays there. Joe, Joe Marchant has gone, but the likes of Oscar Beard coming in, playing at 13. I don't think it's changed at all the way that Harlequins play. And so, look, I think that they would have been looking to be a bit further up the table um, at this stage. You know, they'll be looking to be, you know, challenging for a top two. But I do, but I do think that they have an identity, and I don't think they, they're in a position where there's any confidence or panic there. The only sort of potential downside really is that their director of rugby potentially um, be in in the mix. Um, so Billy Billy Millard um, be in the mix for moving back to Australia to coach Australia. So that's the only thing I think which might be bringing a bit of uncertainty to the coaching unit. But the likes of Nick Evans, Adam Jones, Jerry Flannery, see Danny Wilson's come in as well from a from a Wasps perspective. So they've got a really good coaching um, unit unit there. And uh, you know, I think Friday night at the Stoop, we're going to have about four Sale fans making the journey down. That's going to be a tough gig for us, in my opinion. Um, don't know about what you you guys think. You know, how how does Sale need to adjust the way that we play, or do we need to adjust? to beat Quinns? Well, I think you set the scene quite well because, you know, I went back and looked at um, our result from, from last season where we won uh, 24 points to 16, I think it was. Let me just double-check that. Uh, yeah, 24 points to 16 at the stoop. And, you know, that was very sort of typical of kind of our, our brawn and brains in, in tandem being able to beat a, a Quinns team that obviously... It did, did see a bit of a drop off in form last year, and I think it's it's quite telling that as we go into you know round two at the stoop this season, Queens have got some of that. Um, uh, what's uh, je ne sais quoi, right? They've got some of that kind of Harlequins pizzazz, like back to them a little bit of that, you know, that ambition, that creativity, that skill, uh, that flair. That's the word I was looking for. That flair. That, uh, that we've become accustomed to from, from Quinns over the last couple of years. And from, from a sale perspective, on the one hand, you look at our last two performances and think, well, actually, if we keep playing in the same way, we're going to struggle because this is a Quinns team, you know, that can carve teams open and can put points on the board quickly. On the other hand, you look at the other, you know, five games so far this year and actually our endeavour with ball in hand, our ability to throw the ball around, the fact that George Ford is, is sort of playing, you know, sort of pulling the strings really nicely. There's, there's a bit of a template from that Bristol game earlier in the year, which indicates that if we play in that way, there's, there's a good chance we're going to be able to, you know, to, to win in, in a similar fashion away at Quinns for the second year on the trot. The, 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 the difficulty, or I guess the intrigue will be, you know, can George Ford outplay Marcus Smith in the way he did Callum Sheedy? Can our defence kind of clamp down on Quinns in the same way that it did against uh, you know, Bristol, who will obviously attack in a, in a similar sort of way? Um, and can we get a bit, bit, bit more form out of our forward pack, which is, as we've all kind of alluded to, it's kind of you know, ebbed and flowed so far this year. The scrum's been okay, but not great. You know, we've had a, you know, we're really sort of feeling the 
the loss of Jean-Luc Dupree, I think, particularly in that second row where Cobra's feet so doesn't quite have that same go forward. You know, can we get, can we see some of those individual performances from up front kind of, um, um, you know, kind of bring, uh, can, <clears throat> sorry, can some of the forwards bring their form from, from the previous seasons back in and kind of really sort of twist the game? It's, you know, we still haven't quite seen the best from Dan Dupree yet and it feels like this could be a good game for him to sort of, you know, pop out again. Um, so there's a lot there. And the one thing I will say to create that through line between last week and, and this week is it's, I'm going to be fascinated to see how Luke Cowan Dickey does. You know, this he feels like a big piece and probably a bigger piece than we really considered when he was first signed. But with no Aki now, we, we've missed that that jackal threat. I thought we saw that on Friday night. Him and Ben Curry in tandem worked very well and caused back a lot of problems. Yes, they gave up a lot of penalties as well. But I think if you're looking, there's a way to slow down the likes of Quinns. You know, having that breakdown presence is going to be massive. And obviously, your hooker is such a massive part of your set piece as well. Um, if we can get our set piece going in the right direction, if we can get some uh, superiority at the breakdown, that's going to open the game up to allow George Ford and Rob Dupree, et cetera, to throw the ball around. Um, and I think there's, I, I think we do need to see a step up again um, this week versus what we've seen over the last fortnight. But there is a blueprint there, and we have done it already once this season. Um, Alex, where where do you stand on this one coming in? Like, you know, are you are you happy with are you happy with what I sort of suggested there? Yeah, it sounds good to me. Uh, no, I, I genuinely it does, and I think it's like you say, it's a massive step up from where we've been. It's going to be a full strength Queens team, you presume, uh, especially at home on a Friday night. It's going to be a big atmosphere, as James has said, and it's a big test for us. And I think it's one we will probably relish and it's almost it feels like something we might need because it has been a bit there's not really been a challenge laid down to us for a few weeks you know we've and I'd say that in you know the nicest way possible but Newcastle and Bath have both put out pretty weakened sides and it's really hard to mentally kind of get yourself up for those sort of games isn't it when when they almost you know admit defeat before the before the game has kicked off. I know they obviously didn't, but feels like that. And I think us having that challenge laid down to us and playing on that underdog mentality a bit more will be will be helpful because we do we do love it. And I know we're getting better at not being an underdog all the time and that kind of thing. But it does bring out the best in everyone, I think. You know, we saw it brought out the best in England at the World Cup. So it's not like this is a thing that we should be afraid of and should sort of relish it if anything so that'll be helpful i agree that the threat over the ball is crucial because if we let harlequins play phase play then they are just going to score at some point you know if they go six seven phases there's a high likelihood they'll be over in the corner before the end of it so we need to be winning that ball back i think pressure in their defense is something we've always done really well and pressure in marcus smith in particular we bring that test match style of defense that he has struggled with at club and international level. You know, obviously he will get around it a couple of times, but we seem to be more dominant in that way with that sort of high press from the 13 and, and the wingers and cut off the options and make him make the decisions. So keeping people on our feet is going to be massive just to make sure we're not sure on, on either side. So, you know, it's a kind of it's not a fitness thing, but almost you know, we've just got to, We've got to embrace the fact that actually we're probably not going to be favourites for this game. And yeah, we're top of the table, but away at Quinn's, no one, I don't think anyone's favourites really, the style of rugby they play. So I think if anything, it being a Friday night game is the one little bit in our advantage because we are used to Friday nights this season and, and the conditions are probably a bit less favourable to them running running those rings around us. Um, so yeah, it's... It's a really tough ask, is is kind of what I'm saying in summary. And, and I don't think we should... I know we're top of the league and we're playing really well and we beat them last season, but if anything, that just puts the case for Quinns winning this game even higher up, in, in my opinion. And if we can... If we can win the breakdown battle and, and our defence is as good as we know it can be, there's a real opportunity for a win here, but it would be a statement win, I think, to, to win this game and back up what we've done. Obviously, going into Europe the week after, so you know, we're not going to play in the Prem for a couple of weeks after this, so great way to go into the break 
on a high and on a win. As I say, real tough ask, but I, I do think we've got it. I, I fully believe we've got it in the locker. I just think it's going to be a big step up in performance in the last two weeks, but it's a big change in dynamic of the game. It's a big, you know, we'll have George Ford probably for a second consecutive game, which would be, be really nice. So I do believe, but made no mistake, massive challenge and, and hopefully one we can we can pull off. But I am so on the fence as to whether we're going to win it. I mean, part of me is like, yeah, we can do this. And this is a team who can do anything. And then part of me is thinking it's quids away on a Friday night. And the old 2013 pessimism, as I referred to it to someone the other day, creeps back in and you go, oh, it's any sale, isn't it? So I know you're going to ask me for a prediction in about two minutes. So I'm delaying. Well, uh, how about two seconds? Like, you, you know, you said you're, you're on the fence. Let's, 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 squeeze, let's squeeze you a little bit, Alex. What, what do you think? You know, heart or head? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Quinn's 23, sale 21. What about, what about yourself, James? Where do you stand on this? Um, well, I think it's whether we can bring a level of intensity above what we've done in the last two weeks, honestly. Um, yeah, we need to find our full potential in our physicality. And we shouldn't. We should be able to get ourselves up for this one because that that like Quins, they, they they literally don't rate us. They do not give a shit about this northern rugby thing that is on the edge or precipice and all this sort of stuff. They they, they generally there is a kind of a moral superiority that exists in the club. It's great to be part of when you're a fan, but as an away fan and as somebody who lives in that who's lived in that area, um, it's fucking annoying. So I think that Alex Anderson should be playing the North Northern card big time this week, and I hope they do turn up. But I agree with Alex. I think that I think actually the form shown in the last two weeks and being away from home on a Friday night, it's a bloody nightmare to get to on a Friday. You know, they're going to have to leave really early. It takes bloody ages to get down there. Twickenham's an awful place to get to, even if you're in London. So I, I think Quinns are going to win. It's going to be about 27... I'd say twenty-seven nineteen. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna book the trend here. I'm gonna say George Ford, you know, kicks 92 percent from the tee. Uh, sale thirty-one, Quinn seventeen. I could really see a scenario where we just go in, feel like we did at Bristol, shut the game down, um, and sort of squeeze squeeze the life out of Quinn's a little bit. That might be a little bit naively optimistic from from my part. But I'm going to back it. I think at the end of the day, no matter if we've played well or poorly so far this year, we've won six out of seven uh, and we're on a really good run of form. But I think it would take something very, very special from Quinns to stop us. Um, that's, the, that's the pod for this week. Um, but before we go, I think Alex, you know, you, Alex, James, you guys caught a, a little bit of flack on Twitter for doing the Northwest Rugby Roundup. And forgetting a few teams. So, Alex, I know you like to talk a little bit about what's been happening around the ground. Um, do you want to take us through, you know, what was a, a bit of a bumper weekend for Northwest Rugby? Yeah, absolutely. We should talk about Northwest Rugby. So, a massive, massive win for South Sharks women on Saturday night at the Hayward Road Compact Stadium, uh, beating Quinn's huge result. I mean, you know, this is a team that a year ago probably wasn't going to be in the league this season. So, massive win for them. A horrendous place for Quinns to go. And if we can get more people up to Hayward Road at 7pm on a Saturday night, then all the better for it, I think. Um, so, that was a huge win. Proceeded earlier in the day by a massive win for Sale FC. Some big performances from Sale players as well. So, Tom Curtis at 10, um, played about 60, 70 minutes, looked really good. Connor Dock scored, uh, I think, two intercept tries, which basically took Sale FC away in the first half. There might have been another one. No, I think the other one was someone else. Um, but then in the forwards as well, Asher and Ben Bamba both had superb games. Like, really, really... Ben Bamba is a massive player for Sale FC. When he's not there, they really struggle uh, in the forwards. Well, not really struggle, but, you know, you can see the difference he brings. So, hopefully, he'll be making his impact on the Sharks team soon as well. I know he's appeared a few times this season. So that's Sale Shots win in Sale FC. Obviously, there's Sale win 
in that one. We also had Sedgley Park win away. Um, they're having a really strong start to the season. Alex Willis from Sharks Academy was on the wing then. So that was another great result in Natu. And an apology from me for missing this one off, but um, filed one away at Hull Ionians. So well done, fellas. Uh, sorry, I just didn't scroll down far enough on the list of results after 10 pints on a Saturday at the rugby. I, you know, there's the eyes were blurry. Um, so, yeah, the Coldy didn't play, so I can't be in trouble for not mentioning them. Uh, Sail FC, 1861 women also won away, so they got promoted last season. So they had a really good start to the season. I think they've basically won every game with a bonus point. We've lost Alex, but I'll I'll sub in, shall I? <laughs> We've lost Alex. So I mean, I think the eight, I don't know how Preston Grasshoppers did. Maybe somebody can let us know uh, on Twitter. But I know that Lim lost, um, and you know they're they're punching massively above their weight this year in in National League Two uh, Village in Cheshire. Um, but they they continue to play open rugby and scoring lots of try bonus points, and that seems to be the way they're like right. We're going to try and score four or five tries a game and. If we if we if someone outscores us, then fair enough. So they're currently hovering above the relegation zone, so they're going to be really happy with their start of the season. So yeah, I think look, like we let's make this a, a thing, and we should probably prepare for this section a little bit more rather than just on what we've picked up from rugby paper or on WhatsApp groups and things like that. So keep us honest, listeners, and uh, keep us up to date with the results and any that we miss, and we'll make sure to celebrate the good ones at least. On our, on our Twitter feed. And it's great to see so many Sale Sharks Academy players you know, out in the system here um, and uh, not just at Sale FC. Although, thank gosh, they have arrived at Sale FC now post-World Cup because we've just won three on the bounce, uh, three games on the bounce, and we're still bottom of the table, I think, uh, Sale FC. Um, so I think we've got a bit of work to do there to, to get, get up the table. Alex, you might know more than me, but... I think we're still struggling a bit. Yeah, they lost last week to Sedge, so we're only we've won three at home on the bounce, I think. Three at home on the bounce. Um, so yeah, we just need to get people back up to Hayward Road. But yeah, they did look they you know, they looked good on Saturday, so I think it is they might be getting back up the table and the league's way close this year. It's not like last year where there were three runaways and But this is the irony, isn't it? The, the last two seasons, Sale FC have missed out on promotion to the Championship by a point. <laughs> One point, two seasons in a row. But that's because basically two other teams, Cambridge, um, Rams, these kind of teams, Boston Parker always up there, they, they basically lost one game the whole season or two or three games the whole season. And that's kind of against that each other in that group. And they've beaten every other team. Whereas this year already there's a bit more fallibility at the top of the table and it's just so frustrating that this is the year that Sale FC are now got to focus on staying up rather than on getting promoted. But hopefully we've found a bit more of a mojo now. The likes of Bamba and Curtis and Connor Doherty looking a level above at that level, I've heard. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll start, we'll get ourselves at least safe and then hopefully we'll see some of those players yeah, in the Sale Sharks jersey as well. What a way to end it. No, no just, there. just, just one, one final thing is I read about the stadium um, going into hundred percent Salford um, council hands, so at least getting Peel out of proceedings, which is important for 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 the stadium, but isn't exactly what Sell Sharks wanted. They wanted at least part ownership or full ownership of the ground. That doesn't look like it's going to be possible now from what I've read on BBC. Certainly what Salford Reds are pumping out. But, you know, who there's so much politics going on at the moment, who knows? Yeah, it's um, a bit of a mess. And I think you're right. I think, listen, getting Peel out is probably never a bad idea. But getting Salford Council 100% in is probably also never a good idea. So... I think there'll be um, a few twists and turns yet to come, but hopefully Sail Sharks will. We've got a relatively good bargaining position here in the, for that stadium to be viable. We are pretty important, but yeah, it's a bit of a. It'd be really interesting. 
the Salford Red Devils seem to hate us. Don't know why. Don't know what we've done. But you know, um, it's a bit of a it'd be an interesting one. Hopefully, it can be a positive force because some of the changes recently have been you know club have worked really hard to make that a good match to experience. So hopefully, that carries on. Are Salford still at the AJ Bell? Forgive my ignorance on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they were basically getting threatened with being kicked out of the Super League. This is a very, very short summary of a very complicated issue, and you can get really multiple statements on it. But their tenancy agreement at the AJ Bell is up on, I think it's the end of December, and because they would own, they would then be on a short-term agreement or something, they'd fall down the Super League's new, well, the RFL's new rankings and basically would be at risk of dropping down to not the Super League and then they would, you know, without that cash, would basically be financially um, insolvent. So it's all very complicated and they basically released a public statement to kick the council at the arse, which is probably a good idea and probably something we should have done about five years ago when we were trying to buy the stadium. But you live and learn. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully. I mean, if it gets into council's ownership, then it might not be the end of the world, but it's a very... Um, just another chapter in Sail Shark's long and storied history of nonsense at the AJ Bell. I was going to say, amen to uh, anything we can do to get Peel out. I think there's there's no love lost there between Sail and, and that particular group. Uh, and also, listeners, you know the podcast has gone on too long when we start talking about rugby league. So let's end it there. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to everyone who showed up to the AJ Bell on Friday night as well. Good to see uh, you know, a healthy crowd there. Uh, hopefully you know we continue to see that come come back up and thank you to james and alex not only for being wonderful co-hosts but also uh for doing the the weekly north northwest rugby roundup uh you guys know a lot more about how lim are going uh this season than i do so couldn't do it without you boys that's the pod uh thanks everyone for listening and uh yeah we'll we'll chat to you guys next week after hopefully a win at quinn's